I think um, it depends if how you view prayer. In verse 18 of Ephesians, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. What leaps out at me from this um, is the words, in the Spirit. I think that gives us a clue. It's suggesting that we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit in our prayers. Obviously, God can and does answer prayers of people that are not in the Spirit. One of the guys I work with, he tells me about when he was growing up in Snow Hill as a boy, and um, he went to a church school, so he decided to test God, even though his parents weren't Christians. So he said, um, if, it, if God exists, he prayed that there'd be snow the next day. Uh, he told all his family, and they laughed at him. I don't think it was July or anything, but it definitely wasn't forecast. Anyway, the next day he woke up, and um, of course there was <laughs> tons of snow out the window. <laughs> As an adult, he's still dubious. He's kind of a tough nut to crack. (laughs) But I believe God answered that prayer. I also think this isn't the norm. I don't think, um, although we'd like it to be, I don't think that as Christians we can expect this all the time. We need to go a little bit deeper. Unfortunately, in my life, I have some really good examples of how not to pray. (laughs) There's probably a lot people can learn from my mistakes, so I'm going to share one of them with you. When I left home, I took two things away from my Christian upbringing. The first was that I knew that definitely God existed. And the second was that I wished he didn't. Atheists are always telling me that um, the belief in God is wish fulfillment. But for me, at that point in my life, it certainly wasn't that. God's existence for me was a bit of an inconvenience. But I managed to put the problem to the back of my head, and I got on with having a good time. About a year went by, and I had to admit to myself that I was feeling increasingly empty. But I wasn't too worried. I knew what to do. I'd read The Prodigal Son. One pathetic bleat from me, and God would come running with his arms wide open. But there was a difference between me and The Prodigal Son at that time. When he came back to his father, he had nothing in his hands, whereas I had something I was still holding on to. During my year of doing whatever I liked, I'd accidentally acquired a boyfriend, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I could see it might lead to some issues as he didn't have any faith. I I thought, that's not a problem, God can change that. I spent an entire day fasting and praying and telling God how to fix my life. Did God answer this prayer? If he had, I would have learned absolutely nothing about myself and nothing about him. Um, I was going to learn quite a bit about myself, none of it good, in the wilderness years that followed me, until almost a decade later I finally came back to God. This time I was carrying nothing. As Oswald Chambers says, we have to enter into his kingdom through the door of destitution. In the years since, I've learned that prayer is less about telling God what to do and more about submitting to his will. Often when I pray, God will point out things that I don't want to hear, things that need to be changed, either done or undone, and either I can submit and move on, or or else I'm faced with a one-sided prayer life, me shouting into a stubborn silence. When we humble ourselves before God, that's when his spirit can act, and that's when his spirit can guide us what to pray. This submission is part of the process that Jesus referred to the process of dying to self. In John 12:24, he says, Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, 
it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever must serve me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. Jesus had to die to reconnect us with God. So it's reasonable that we should expect to go through that process too in order to be properly connected with God in prayer. don't normally come to this service, but it's lovely to be here. <clears throat> normally we go to the nine o'clock, which is a quieter um, sort of service, and not quite so many young people around, but it's, it's great to be here. Um, Wes has asked me to tell a story um, on the theme of um, watching and praying. Um, so this is it. Um, there are four of us members of this church who are street pastors. I'm one. Peter, who's just about to stand up, is another. <laughs> Nigel Rawlins is another, and so is Paul Wickens. And um, we are part of a group that uh, cover the whole of the city, and um, every four weeks or so we go out on a Friday or Saturday night as a team of about four or five, maybe sometimes, and we, um, we start off at about quarter to nine, and we meet together, we put on a uniform, which is darkish, but with something luminescent on the back that says street pass, and we wear caps. And we go around the city basically looking after people, trying to um, engage with people who are in any kind of need and, and meeting their needs as we do so. We start at 10, and we finish at 3. And it's a fairly arduous thing because some of us need our sleep, but we manage it. And if you don't see me at the 9 o'clock service the following day, it's because I'm sleeping in. But you wouldn't affect any of you because you wouldn't come anyway, would you? <laughs> so um, I want to tell a story about um, three weeks ago. And I was with a team of three other people. And we start not far from the station. We go up to the station and we look after, the, make sure that things are quiet at the station for the last train going out to Swindon and Chippenham and other rough places further east of here and then we come back down into the, uh, the near to the bus station are you with me in your mental maps give us a nod you know where I'm talking about okay and we're just walking along there and then we came across a couple who were underneath a sort of archway opposite the bus station um, a man and a woman she was six months pregnant and they were there begging and wanting some help some money to uh, survive the night to go to a shelter we don't give out money, but we gave them some hot drinks and something to eat, because that's what we do. Um, and um, then we moved on. And we went, then started to go up from, you all know where McDonald's is, although you don't eat McDonald's, do you? Oh, maybe you do, that's okay. And we go from McDonald's up towards the top of town, and when we got to Marks and Spencer, in the doorway of Marks and Spencer, there was a man. We had prayed beforehand, Lord... Help us to see the needs of the people around us. Help us to see, look at them with your love, to understand them, and to engage with them in the way that we feel you would. And there was a chap just standing there. He was probably in his early 30s, looking very miserable, in the doorway, with his bags behind him, and it was a very cold, wet, horrible evening. Not the kind of night you'd want to be rough sleeping. And he was just standing there with a box, 
and we went up and chatted to him as he said his name was Richard that was his name and he um, I said what how's everything with you oh it's horrible and what's in you and what's in the box and he said these are for my, my medicines what's wrong I've got pleurisy he said pleurisy is an infection I think of the lining of your lungs which is probably not a good thing for you to be out in the cold you have a doctor at the back you do not declare and it's not a good idea to be out in the cold and wet at that kind of time of night um, if you've got pleurisy then we talked gave him a hot drink gave him cereal bar and he said I just want to die and I don't know how you would respond if anybody said I, I just want to die I said well why and he said my wife's dead my daughter's dead I'm lonely Nobody. I don't want to be friends with anybody I'm just desperate I'm ill and I just want to die so we huddled around him and we prayed with him and we wept with him because we felt some of the pain that he was going through as you would do I'm sure if you meet somebody in that situation and eventually we had to move on and um, we went on into the rest of the town and dealt with a few other people who were needy quite a lot of rough sleepers at the moment um, around town um, later on that evening we did go past the, the, the uh, Marks and Spencer entrance and he was behind he had he'd actually moved all his bags to protect himself and he got further in and, and he was in his sleeping bag or under a blanket and he was asleep and we thought that's the end and we prayed for him while we were there and we continued to pray for him over the next um, for the rest of the evening but I just want to read to you something that I received from the person who was leading that particular shift that that evening who um, who sent me this about a week later she had been uh, going to see her sister at the Marks and Spencer cafe and so she was going through that same entrance and she said I happened to see him this is Richard and he looked remarkably happier he did seem to remember me he went on to tell me that he had been to church that morning, which turned out to be the Bath City Church. We had had six baptisms, each with a very encouraging testimony, which he said was a bit too much for him to take. However, he must have stayed on because he went on to say how much he had enjoyed the youth pastor's preaching and that he had met him in the week before and had been encouraged to go to church that day. I went on about how much God loved him. He had said, I know God. I know God loves me. And actually, when he said, I want to die, he said, I want to be with God. I want to be with my family who died. But he said, he went on, to, um, I went on about how much God loved him and encouraged him to come along to the forum Alpha course on Tuesday evening for free food and fellowship. And he was proud to tell me, which is quite a remarkable thing for, for these kind of people. He, he said, um, he had shaved, and his whole demeanour was quite different from last time, uh, the previous time we'd met him. She said, I was only going to pass Marks and Spencer to meet my sister for lunch. I wouldn't normally have gone that way, so you can imagine how thrilled I am to have seen him again and hear his positive news. Isn't God great? And the answer is, yes, he is. I want to tell you a, a quotation which, if you can hold it in your minds, is worth holding 
by a chap called, who's a French 17th century philosopher, mathematician, scientist. Blaise Pascal said this about prayer. God has instituted to bestow prayer, he's instituted prayer to bestow on his creatures, us, the dignity of causality. Now think about that. I said again. God has instituted prayer to bestow on us the dignity of causality. He goes on to say we don't, we're not living in a closed universe. In other words, we're not living in a world where, which is predestined to go in a particular way. God has given us prayer to be able to work with God to change the future for people, for situations. So we have a part to play in changing it. Now, you may not be in the kind of situation that we were in three weeks ago on a Friday night, meeting people desperate to die uh, and pray with them and to see a change. But you are in a position, all of you, and me too, whether it's in the classroom or in the office or the surgery or in your neighborhood, where there are people whose lives could change simply because you are secretly praying for them, feeling something of what they're going through and saying, Lord, bless that person. They need to be helped. Obviously, sometimes you can pray with people and they will. That's a more direct way. But it's sometimes not even necessary to do that. So I would like to finish with a prayer, really offering ourselves to do that as we face this coming week. Thank you, Father, for the work you did in the life of Richard, and we lift him to you wherever he is now and ask for your continued blessing on him. Thank you that you have put in us, each of us, into a particular place with the particular people around us in wherever we are, at school or at work or in our neighborhoods. And there are many people whose lives can be different if we pray. So help us to take our responsibility seriously. Thank you for bestowing on us, your creatures, the dignity of causality to be able to engage with you, to bring transformation to the people around us because you love this world. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.